We're in this series called Live Like Jesus. And in essence, what we're doing is we're stepping back and saying, if you were one of those uh, original disciples and you followed Jesus for nearly two to three years, what would be some of the lessons you learned from Jesus? And then if you go to John 17, Jesus prays this remarkable prayer on behalf of those disciples, but we also know he's praying for the future disciples, which is everybody in this room. And from that prayer, you're going to see some of these things that Jesus says, this is what I want you to be striving for. I mean, this is what it means to look like and to live like Jesus. So the word today is the word sanctification. Um, and we're going to get deeper into that of what that means. And, uh, and hopefully uh, God will, will bless us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, it is an honor to be here. We're just so thankful for another day of life, even a, an extra hour of sleep, Lord, is just great. And so we're thankful to be here. Thank you for everybody that made it here today. Help us encourage each other uh, as we pursue to be like Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Uh, in John 17, 19, that prayer that I spoke of, listen to the words of Jesus. For them, speaking about the disciples... I sanctify myself so that they too may be truly sanctified. So here's the official definition. It's going to come up here if you want to memorize this. To sanctify means to set apart, to make holy and pure. Jesus was set apart and consecrated for the specific mission. His desire for his disciples was that they too would be set apart and truth to change the world. Now, uh, Let's be honest, this is not a word you use in your everyday vocabulary. Like you're probably not going to go to Starbucks tomorrow and order an espresso and they're going to say, how's your day going? Say, it's sanctified. I mean, it's, it's just not a word we use in everyday conversation. And it's kind of a heavy word. You know, if you say, I'm, uh, I'm striving towards sanctification, I'm like, man, is, is that a, is there a treatment for that? I mean, I mean, it's just not the kind of word that we use all the time, but I'm telling you, we shouldn't be intimidated by it. It is an awesome word. And as we look at this, we're going to look at it from the end, the process of sanctification, back to the beginning. It's kind of like uh, the, instead of doing the before and after, we're going to do the after to before. Uh, by the way, have you ever seen those before and after pictures? Do they not crack you up? I mean, it doesn't matter what the product is. The person before is just on, the, on death's doorstep. You ever notice they've been drugged by a truck, their hair's messed up, terrible lighting, and then the after, I'm like, that's not even the same person. I mean, we've all seen those. And so I don't want to preach a sermon where it's just this, just this methodical, like, here's what it's like to be sanctified. I'd rather look at it from a different perspective. This is like, uh, for example, I'm going to approach this like the movie uh, Curious Case for uh, Benjamin Button. I don't know if you saw that movie. You know when they say there's no such thing as an ugly baby? Yeah, you might want to see the movie. So anyway, if you, if you look at this one, and you remember, the movie was lived in reverse. In other words, he was born as an old man, and if you remember, he made his way all the way through life in reverse. And man, it just, it's one of those you get done and you're shaking your head, and it's like, oh, my land. But as you talk about, as we get into sanctification, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to start at the very end. When you draw your last breath, where do you want to be with Jesus Christ? And then work your way back to the beginning. So the first part I want to talk about is simply called the bridge. The bridge. And what I mean by the bridge is uh, John 5, 24 says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word 
and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from what? Death to life. There's the bridge. Now, this is pretty heavy, but I want you to listen to the words of Dallas Willard. Now, Dallas Willard is, uh, is brilliant. He's a theologian. His writings, it's, he's a lot like C.S. Lewis. I'll read about four or five pages, and I have to set it down. I'm like, man, that's, that's deep and good. And then you pick it back up. Dallas Willard, when he was diagnosed with a terminal illness, did something really interesting. He contacted a, a good friend. His name was Gary Black, Jr., and he said, we've been through a lot together, and I want you to go on this journey with me uh, to my death, and I want you to write the experience, the lessons that I learned and that you learned together through this experience because I want to pursue Jesus with everything that I have. So I want you to listen to the words of Dallas Willard as he talks about what it's like to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus teaches us that his presence and his word, that we begin to live in heaven now. And that's why when he says that those who keep his word will never experience death as human beings understand it, I think different. I think many people don't realize they've died until later. His point was, I want to draw so close to Jesus that I want to bring heaven to earth because of Jesus. And when I draw my last breath, I'm going simply from this kingdom to the next kingdom. I want to be that close to Jesus. That's what sanctification looks like when you draw your last breath. You want to be so close to Jesus that you can barely distinguish the difference. And that's what Jesus wants for all of us. Matter of fact, in the book called Preparing for Heaven uh, by Gary Black, and he shares this experience, he said, here's the last conversation that he had with this amazing man, Dallas Willard. Uh, he said he got close, and he's, he was getting weaker. And uh, Dallas, out of the blue, said, uh, you know, in Hebrews 12, there's this whole thing about the cloud of witnesses. I'm just now realizing, I think I got it wrong. And he said, well, Dallas, what'd you get wrong? He said, it's not this big arena of people. It's this long hallway, and I'm starting to see them all. And I'm starting to see Jesus. He said, that's what's happening. And he knew he was going, so he bent down, and he kissed him on the forehead. And he said, Dallas, I want you to know you're my hero. And Dallas Willard said, I'm not your hero. Jesus is your hero. And that was the last conversation he had. That's what it looks like when you follow and you pursue Jesus every day of your life because there will be a day when Jesus is all you have and Jesus is all you need. It's just like Paul when he cried out through his pain, Lord, if you want to take me home, we want to be that close to Jesus. And it makes all the difference when you start with the end in mind. Billy Graham, it's interestingly enough, said that what really got a hold of him when he was a kid uh, and and I know this is true because I was raised by a, a mother who grew up during the Depression, and she would tell me this. She said, now, things are so much different than when I was a kid. She said, when I was a kid and uh, somebody in your family was dying, they would die in their home, and we'd come to the home. And I'd say, what? And she goes, oh, yeah, we'd have the, there was no funeral service. The service was in the home. I remember picking wildfire flowers for my aunt. I'm like, Mom, that's like nuts. you got to be kidding. She goes, no, no, no. Death was part of life. 
And that's the life of Billy Graham. Very simple, North Carolina. He was sitting there as a child, and his grandmother was dying in the home, and the family had all come in. And he said he vividly remembers uh, listening in as she was drawing her last breath, and here's what she said. First thing was, I see Jesus. Now, as a little boy, that got his attention. And then, interesting enough, Billy Graham said, Ben, you're walking again. And Ben was his grandpa who uh, had been wounded in the Civil War at uh, Gettysburg and actually had a leg amputated. So she sees him completely restored. And Billy Graham said that moment he realized, this is real. It is real. Some of you came here today, you may be wondering, I wonder if this whole thing is real. Man, I'm telling you, it's real. So when you hear a word, a heavy word like sanctification, really what it means is you're doing everything you can to draw closer to Jesus. So much so that you're beginning to look like Jesus and sound like Jesus and act like Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There it is. That's the bridge. What about the blueprint? In other words, if you're starting with the end of your life and you're moving towards the beginning of your walk with Christ, what's in between? Well, this is called, I would call this the blueprint. In other words, what's the process? You give your life to Jesus, then what? Well, you pursue Jesus. But that, this is where it can get difficult. Matter of fact, if you take that word that we've talked about, sanctification, it really means to be set apart to pursue holiness. But there's a word that we've butched, the word holiness. Uh, so I'm going to just share something ridiculous. When I was uh, in high school, just out of high school, I, I was preaching on Sunday night at my home church. And you can imagine how good that was. And, and so I had my suit on, and I'd forgot my shoes Dress you, so I had black converse, so that was that was a bad sign. And I had an aunt there, and so I didn't know anything about other church. Just to be honest, I knew nothing about other churches. I was dumb enough to think our church was the only right church in the world. You know what I'm saying? That's how naive I was. And my mom said, "Now your aunt's gonna be here tonight." And her aunt Margie, she had just like her hair was like two, three feet high, you know, like a Far Side cartoon. And um, my mom said, don't say anything. You know, Margie comes from a different church background, so don't say anything. So, oh, I won't. So as I was preaching through the sermon, I made some reference to, if you act like that, people think you're a holy roller. I had no idea what a holy roller was. And if I'm offending any of you right now, trust me, I'm still not sure what that even means, okay? But my, I got home, mom goes, no, you don't say that. Man, that, that's a bad thing. I'm like, what is that? You know, well, here's the reason. We take that word holy Think of when you've heard holy in the right way. People usually take that, oh, you're holier than thou, blah, blah, blah. Okay, the Bible is crystal clear. We are pursuing holiness. It's exactly, it says you are trying to be what? Like Jesus. You're trying to be holy. Not you're better than anyone. It's just the opposite. You're not better than anyone. You just want to be like Jesus. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, what lies behind us? And what lies in front of us pales in comparison to what lies in us. See, we need to strive to be like Christ from the inside out. 
And that's not the way many of you, I guarantee that's not the churches you grew up in, is it? Because it's too easy to point out flaws from the outside in, what you look like. I shared this first service, but over the years, I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation. I'll be talking to someone, and eventually they'll say, now, what is it you do? And I hate that question. So I usually lie. So anyway, I, I'll usually finally I'll say, you know, I'm a minister. And I always get the same response. Well, you don't look like a minister. Okay. So what does that look like? So I don't know. But you don't look like a minister. Okay, see, everybody's got a visual, don't they, of what you look like if you're a Christian. Think of how many people are still feeling the pain of being in, a, say, a church setting, and really you were judged more by, from the outside in rather than really striving to help each other from the inside out. Makes all the difference. Matter of fact, in Colossians 3, at the very top of Colossians 3, says rules for holy living. And I want you to think about what it means to pursue holiness. And look at the first uh, five verses. It says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear in glory. So here's pursuing holiness. It's setting your heart and your mind towards Christ. That's really it. It's your heart and your mind. Your heart, those are your feelings. And your mind, those are your choices. Now, what do I mean by your heart in Christ? When you surrender to Jesus, what you want more than anything else is a new heart. Matter of fact, Ezekiel says that we want our hearts to go from stone to flesh. Ephesians 4.23 says that we are to have the renewing of our mind. And you know how that process starts? By saying, Lord, I slowly want to start walking away from my old self. Matter of fact, look at verse 5 and beyond. You see words like death, sexual immorality, impurity, Lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. And here's where the church blows it. Somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ. And if they're not careful, they wade into Colossians 3 and say, you know what it is to be a Christian? Let me give you 73 things you can't do. Because if you read that and you're not overwhelmed, you should be overwhelmed. I mean, you're like, oh, my land. How in the world can I overcome all that? Well, it's not going to happen in 24 hours. I mean, I'm here to tell you that this is a painful process. And I feel so sad for so many people that, that I think really have a warped idea of what it means to be a Christian because Christians have just dumped this do not do list on them without sharing. The great news is you have Jesus Christ in your life. Recently, I read Holy Available by Gary Thomas, and uh, I want you to listen to what he said. This is so good. He said he was sharing with someone uh, about living in Christ, and were they at a point they wanted to come to Jesus Christ, and uh, this is what this young lady said. <laughs> Why would I ever want to become a Christian? All they want me to do is dump all the good music from my iPod and wear ugly clothes. That's how she assessed being a Christian. I mean, that's what it means. And isn't it sad that that's how people look? They look at people in the church and they say, see, I don't want to be like that as opposed to, no, no, no. This isn't about trying to be like that. It's trying to follow who? Jesus. 
It's this pursuit to help one another to become more like Jesus. But if you're going to do that, things have to change. I love the quote, insanity is doing the same thing, expecting different results. And too many times people come to Christ, but they don't want to change anything. And it doesn't work that way. You have to say, here's my old nature. And Lord, it's going to be hard. But Lord, I want to surrender that to you. So would you write this down? Because if you don't hear anything else, please hear this. Choices lead, feelings follow. I just heard that recently. I thought that is so good. Choices lead, feelings follow. Now, let me share why that's so important as we talk about our heart. Um, I call this generational wisdom because this was passed down from a grandmother to her daughter. Then she passed it down to her daughter. And here's how it came about. Uh, This teenage girl was dating this kid that was just uh, a little bit out of control. And uh, and they broke up, okay? So they had this conversation about, did you learn anything? And, of course, she didn't. She's like, oh, this is terrible. And they're like, okay, that was toxic. You you can't keep dating this kind of person. And she goes, oh, you don't know anything. You know, good, good fun times when you're in those teenage years. And the grandmother intervened and said, I want to share with you what I shared with your mom. And, by the way, your mom made the same mistakes you just made about that relationship. And here's what she said. If you do what's right... Eventually, your feelings will follow. But if you consistently do what you feel, and then you hope it turns out right, you're going to have trouble. And that's true. If you start off with, this is what I know is right, and I'm going to move towards what I know is right, feelings will follow. But if you let your feelings lead you, where does that get you? If I had the mic right now, I could hand that. We'd be here all day. We'd be like, let me share one time in my life. I completely bought into my feelings, and I listened to my heart, and I completely threw my mind away, and here's where I ended up. Folks, I'm here to tell you, this is what Christ is calling all of us. He said, first of all, get a handle on your heart, and in Romans 12, transform your mind. That's why we talk about getting into God's Word, letting God's Spirit move through you. Why? Because that's how we begin to make better choices. We all need to make better choices. We need to learn the word of God, but then we need to put it in motion. That's where the transformation takes place. So I heard my my son the other day, Caleb, and and he was with my my daughter, his sister, his oldest sister. It's kind of fun to watch him now. And so he said, said, Rachel, I'm I'm, I'm on Amazon right now, and I'm going to pick out a new winter jacket. I need you to help me. I heard him talk, and I said, hey, what are you talking to her? Just talk to me. I can tell you what to get. He goes, Dad, seriously. No. So he said, Rachel, here's, I need you to help me. And, and the whole time I'm like, it's just a winter coat. And he said, Rachel, I'm living by this motto. Perhaps you heard of it. WWW. What would women want? So anyway, that's how he's going to, he wants to know from Rachel, what's the best jacket? Well, I thought about a few years ago. Do you remember WWJD? What would Jesus do? You actually need another bracelet. What would it say? WWW. ID. What am I going to do? Okay, I know what Jesus wants me to do. Doesn't matter. What are you going to do? I mean, what am I going to do? That's where transformation takes place. Colossians 3.12 says, clothe yourselves instead with these things, compassion, kindness, humility. See, that process is painful. Whether you're getting your teeth cleaned, 
They go in and they take that pickaxe, and I know, especially some of the men here, if you haven't been there in several years or whatever, and you go in there and they get in there, okay, that's going to be painful. Or have you ever had a surgeon say, we're going to have surgery, I guarantee no pain. No, of course there's going to be pain, always. But the pain of the process is worth the presence of Jesus, always. And that pain in the process is worth the presence of Jesus every time. Now, here's the deal. Allowing God to work in our lives and, and ridding ourselves of our old nature, that will take your entire life, and it's hard. And we need to encourage one another because it's hard. And every so often, part of our old nature will come back even years later. Um, when I was um, giving my life to Christ, I mean, when I, when I was just to the point I sold out to Christ, I was about 16, 17 years old, and uh, I realized God was starting to work on my old nature. <clears throat> so here's what I really struggle with, and every so often it still creeps up. Man, I could cuss. I mean, I was good at it. I mean, I, I could throw down, and I, that was really what our friends, you know, what do you want to do? Hey, play ball, chase girls, and cuss. I mean, that was really the trifecta of fun, and I could shut it down the moment I got within earshot of my mom because I knew not going to land well with mom, you know. Mom, she's only, my mom cussed one time. I drove her to cuss one time. And it really wasn't even a bad one. But anyway, uh, I remember this pain of just, it would roll out, and then I'd try to rein it back in, and, I'd, and then I'd do well for a while, and then I'd just, and it, it, this just went on and on and on, okay? And I can tell you to this day, uh, I'll do really well for a long time, and then some, I've got a couple of pet cuss words, and I know none of you do, and uh, every so often it'll just flare up. And I'm like, oh, man, I thought I had it. Man, I thought I handled on that. Well, we've all got things from our old nature. And guess what? They're still going to creep back. I mean, this is a battle that we're in. But the process, the pain of the process is always worth the presence of Jesus. So let's go from there all the way to the beginning. All the way to the beginning. Those first steps you take with Jesus. What does that look like? In John 3, 16 and 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But then look at 17. This is what brings it home. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I love it when Nicodemus is talking to Jesus here in John 3, and Jesus says, You need to be born again. And I thought about what that means to start with Jesus. See, if you're born again, that's for the poor. It's for the rich. It's for the guy on one side of the tracks. It's for the woman on the other side of the tracks. It's for men and women. It's for Jew, Gentiles, for the Pharisee. It was for the leprosy. Jesus came to save us all. He came to save everybody that's here. Everybody here. You just need to believe, and then you need to take action. Max Licato put it this way. Talking about baptism, he said, baptism is a vow. It's a sacred vow of the believer to, the, to follow Jesus Christ. Just as a wedding celebrates the fusion of two hearts, baptism celebrates the union of the sinner with the Savior. And that's what I love about what Jesus does for everybody. It's for everyone. And there's some questions over the years that people have asked me about 
being free in Christ, and even this whole idea of moving forward towards baptism. I love Heather's story. I love what she shared, is that she reached a point in her life, she, she finally said, why have I put this off? I think that's a good question for anyone. And uh, when people ask me, what is baptism? What I always share, whether it's a, a young person or any age, I always say, baptism is the Easter story. Because the whole focus of Easter is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what baptism is. It's saying, I'm put into death, my old self. I'm buried with him. And it's an amazing picture. But I'm raised to walk with Jesus Christ. That's really what it is. There's nothing magical about the water. I've been privileged to be a part of baptisms in swimming pools. I've been in lakes, uh, in other countries, a horse trough. I mean... I've had the honor to see people baptized, and there's nothing magical about the water. It's not the water in any way that brings you to Jesus Christ. It's just a wake-up call to be more like Christ. And if it stirs your heart, you should do something about it. Let me just share that. If it stirs your heart, just do something about it. Uh, biggest excuse I always hear from folks is, I'm just not ready. That's really the big one. I guess I'm not ready. It's kind of like... Those of you that have kids, how many of you would have had kids if you actually could afford your kids? Could you, would you have had a kid? The, the statistics now are before, from birth to 17, about $372,000. They kill us. They, I mean, okay, you don't wait till you have enough. It's the same thing. It's like, I really want to give my life to Christ, but I, I feel like there's more. Like, I've got to get my act together, or I've got to learn. It doesn't work like that. When you feel God moving and stirring and you're ready, you need to go for it. We have a team here in just a few minutes. We're actually going to have a team, and they're going to be here to pray with you. And if some of you have like, this has been on my mind and my heart, I just need to know what to do next, we're here to help you. Uh, we also want you to know that this team will help you. Some of you have asked questions about being a part of what we're doing here on the west side. Uh, the word we're trying to eliminate is the word membership, because membership sounds like you're entitled to something like here's a card and you get free stuff I mean it doesn't work that way it's a partnership as we're saying hey people say I just want to be a part of what's going on and we'd love for you to do that but also if you just need to pray God laid something on your heart first service we had this uh, wonderful Christian woman who's probably been a, a believer a Christ follower for probably 40 years and she came up and she prayed with Tommy, Tobin and Janet Wingard and you know what she prayed? She goes, I'm just here because I want to be more like Jesus. That was it. Folks, that's an awesome, awesome prayer request. Because we all want to be more like Jesus. But if you need to take that first step, we want to be here for you to help you. We're going to stand here in just a few moments. We're going to sing and just give you an opportunity. And I want to pray for you before we do that. Heavenly Father, thank you. We know it takes courage to follow you. And Lord, sometimes life just beats us up. And so, Lord, we just pray that um, we can be the kind of church that just reaches out to help. Thank you for loving you, all of us, so much that your whole mission in life was just to save us because we can't save ourselves. So, Lord, I just pray that everything that we do, we're willing to just bring it to the cross. And, Lord, help us to be more like you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 
Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.